Welcome to Cathedral of the Rockies Amity Podcast. My name is Tyler, and I work here at Cathedral of the Rockies with Pastor Ben Kramer. Today is the second to last episode in this sermon series, which we've now officially determined. Uh, with this sermon focused on Jesus' saying that blessed are the meek. Meekness is sometimes contrasted with strength, at least according to our general definition of strength. But strength can actually be a part of meekness. Meekness is how we handle that strength. I looked up the Greek word in one of my lexicons, and one phrase that was given, uh, I thought it captured the meaning well. And that was, the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. I like that wording because I think it really captures that idea that I just mentioned before. You know, that strength isn't a bad thing. It's how we handle it is what matters to meekness. So with that, Pastor Ben will delve more into this idea of meekness. Enjoy! you to find your seats back. What a beautiful uh, couple of days of weather we've had, hasn't it been? My goodness, someone told me that we're going to expect temperatures over 100 this week. So enjoy it while it lasts, I guess. (laughs) Well, we're looking at this uh, beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I just want to get on a personal note with this. Uh, My experience with meekness has been interesting to say the least. Uh, Meekness is often defined as gentle or mild, right? And I noticed growing up as, you know, a a Christian, a boy in the church, I was told one definition of what gentleness looked like as as a guy. And then once I saw girls act the same way, they got reprimanded and called bossy or pushy, right? I was called assertive, right? But then girls around me were told to be gentle and mild because that was part of who they were supposed to be, right? So I was always really confused. And then growing up, I saw how certain forms of protest were acceptable from certain groups, but other minority groups, when they acted in the exact same way, it was treated with more severity than these other groups of protesters, right? And we still see that in our culture today, What does gentleness look like? How do we define it? And how do we impose it on other people? So I just wanted to mention that before we look at this, how it's often been misused, how gentleness can be used as as a form of manipulation, especially towards women in the church. Um, If you haven't seen that documentary, Happy Shiny People, just, whew, that's kind of the homeschool movement that my family was a part of growing up. So it's on, available on Amazon Prime. I didn't intend to plug that this morning, but only watch it if you're ready, okay? Don't watch it if you're looking for a happy, shiny things because it's named ironically. But uh, this idea of gentleness has been misused in many ways. And so my hope in looking at this beatitude today is to really dig in on what Jesus was intending behind saying meekness in his culture Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
If you haven't noticed, we live in a culture where rugged individualism is praised as a virtue. I imagine if someone were to write the American Beatitudes, one would certainly be, blessed are the rugged individuals, for they will inherit the earth, right? And this, this common core belief in our culture is revealed in some of the phrases we say. And I, I brought some of the common phrases that I've heard uh, growing up as an American. The first one is, we've taken Darwin's phrase and said, it's the survival of the fittest, right? We use that as kind of a philosophy for economy or society or building a family. It's the survival of the strongest or the fittest, But who gets to define survival and what that looks like? Who gets to define fitness? Are cockroaches and styrofoam the fittest among us because they seem to survive anything? What are we surviving as strong and fit? Next one I've heard a lot is only the strongest survive. Again, who gets to define strong? An atomic bomb is strong all on its own destructive power. But ants are strongest together in constructive power. Two different kinds of strength, but do they both bring about the same kind of survival? This is the one I heard most often. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? Anyone else hear that one a lot? Okay. This is probably one of my least favorite common phrases ever. It's a phrase that actually originated, if you don't know where it came from, it originated out of old military folktales in the 1700s to describe something that is virtually impossible. Impossible. It started out by a French leader who was famed to pull himself and his horse out of a mud bog by his hair. He pulled himself out of the mud bog by his own hair. Then it evolved to soldiers being able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps up a mountain or over a rock. It's meant to be humorous and funny because it describes something impossible. You can't literally pull yourself up by your bootstraps over a rock, right? You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps over a fence, right? It doesn't help you get anything done. It's impossible, Yet, as time has gone on, this phrase in our culture has meant to advance economically or in life without any outside help whatsoever. Do it on your own. Succeed on your own merit. Martin Luther King Jr. had the best response to this phrase I think I've ever heard. He said, it is a cruel jest to tell a bootless man to pull himself up by his bootstraps right? What are we saying when we use these phrases? Lastly, and this is probably tied for my least favorite phrase, is you're a self-made man. It, it's probably one of my least favorite phrases because it makes no logical sense to me. Yes, you're self-made because you made your own birth possible. You, you are here because of you, only. Yes, you're self-made because you taught yourself everything you ever knew from kindergarten through high school. You made your own clothes by hand, built your own car, built your own cell phone. You grew your own food and slept in a bed that you made by hand in a house you built yourself. 
You alone made your education and career happen. There were no teachers, no parents, no employers, no employees, no businesses, no mentors or friends along the way to help you whatsoever. No, you are a self-made person. I get what it's implying by this phrase, but it often communicates this false claim that someone can achieve something great on their own. It refutes the reality that we really do all need each other, right? But this, this virtue in our culture is so ingrained of the self-made rugged individual, and it denies the reality that we truly do need each other. We truly are interconnected. We truly do need one another to survive, to succeed, to make life possible. It's especially unsettling when wealthy white men claim that they are self-made people, right? Denying the privilege and the wealth that has just been given to us, especially in our own country. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So this phrase of Jesus doesn't seem to fit well with the rest of these phrases, right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. They are the ones who are going to receive the earth. Yet I don't think it's because this word means weakness, because meek doesn't mean weak. It is because of something else, something that is so central to all the other phrases that I mentioned above, but before I tell you what I think it is, let's look at the Greek word for meek that doesn't mean weak. Now say that 10 times fast. The Greek word that we translate here as meek is paras. And it literally means, but paras is a root word that's used for a lot of other Greek words in the New Testament especially. But it literally translates to mild and gentle. This word is used four times in the Bible altogether. And all of them are in the New Testament. And Matthew uses three of them. So out of all four times, Matthew uses the word three times. And its first example is in the Beatitude that we just read today, Matthew 5, 5. But let's look at the rest of them quickly. And I want you to see if you can catch a common theme presented in how this word is used. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, paris, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Who's talking here? Jesus, right? All right, let's go to the next one. And this is uh, Jesus talking to his disciples about going and getting the donkey before he rides into Jerusalem. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Next. 1 Peter 3, 4. This is one of those examples that have been misused against women because it's in this context of women shouldn't adorn themselves with fancy clothing or lavish hairstyles. What Peter is talking about here is the use of elaborate wealth against the poor. Right, And so Peter then says to this uh, for everyone, rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle, parous, and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Notice a theme in any of these verses? From a king to a common person to even Jesus himself, 
There is this admiration of mildness, of gentleness, of meekness. It's not the showy display of unrestrained power or wealth, but rather using any kind of strength one might have mildly, gently, and meekly. This is why I think it conflicts with the rugged individualism of our culture. Rugged individualism thrives on unrestrained power. The individual doing whatever it takes to advance on their own, even if it means exerting unrestrained power over other people. It sees mildness and gentleness as a weakness in this context rather than relying on gentleness and meekness to guide power. This really makes me think, as I was writing it this week, it made me think of elephants, right? They are among some of the strongest animals on earth, but they have the most gentle and mild dexterity especially in their trunks. Did you know that according to the National Geographic, an elephant's trunk contains about 40,000 muscles on its own in an elephant's trunk? And they have been shown picking up incredibly fragile things like tortilla chips or flowers without breaking them or even bruising them. They have dexterity just like our fingers right at the tip of that massive trunk. And they are known as gentle giants for a reason. I was talking to the music team before service. One of my favorite early viral videos was of, um, have you ever seen those unlikely friendships in nature, right? I'm a sucker for those. I will admit it. I love those unlikely friendships in nature. But one of them was they were on this uh, reserve to protect elephants who were being um, poached in Africa. Great big preserve and, and collecting uh, elephants who had been harmed or hurt in that way. And the, the veterinarians had a yellow lab. And the yellow lab became really close friends with one of the elephants. And they would walk the perimeter of this massive preserve together. That was just their routine. And they'd explore all the time and just they would be together. <clears throat> one day the elephants got spooked and the elephants trampled the yellow lab. And that elephant picked up that lab by its trunk and ran it to the vets where the, the place was. Um, the vet picked up the yellow lab, brought it in to start giving it its care, and they noticed that the elephant just remained outside the entrance, waiting to see the yellow lab. Stood there without eating or drinking for two weeks. You know what, as a pastor, I thought? Praying and fasting for its friend. Two weeks. Then finally, when the ribs were, they had to put the ribs in a cast because it broke several ribs, but the dog was going to make a full recovery, but still needed to be, you know, uh, you know, taking some rest. And so the vet brought out his yellow lab to the elephant, and the elephant started crying. Like literal tears, wailing its trunk in the air at, just to see that its friend was alive, and the yellow lab's tail was just wagging all. you got to go look up, up this video. If you get anything from the sermon today, go look up that video. But it's great. It was just such an incredible connection to see that in nature. And then as soon as that dog was, was capable of, of, of going back out into the preserve, that elephant and that dog were inseparable from then on out, and uh, the elephant was its like protector throughout the whole rest of their lives together. It's just a beautiful um, explanation of what the use of restrained power. So meekness isn't weakness. It is a disciplined 
controlled power for the sake of goodness, right? It's not unrestrained power for our own gain. I think elephants are a great example of that. Okay, back to my, back to my sermon. So I, I think this is why this beatitude may not be so popular in our American culture or even among American Christians. For people like Americans who value independence and self-reliance, we do often define freedom as being totally unrestrained. So the word restraint kind of sounds like a cuss word to us. <laughs> We are Americans, and no one can tell us what to do. We are free to be as unrestrained and use our power and our wealth and our lives any way we want to. It says in God we trust on our money, but that's as long as God doesn't try to tell us what to do, especially with our money, right? That was supposed to be super funny, and none of my jokes are landing today. Man, it's okay to laugh, right? It's okay, okay. But I'm being hyperbolic here, but you get the picture, right? We bristle when we Americans are told that we are to be restrained or have boundaries on how we use our strength and our power. And if you didn't notice anything about the COVID pandemic, this dynamic alone was one of the major causes of conflict during the pandemic. Self-control is for others, but not really for ourselves. Don't tell me to social distance. Don't tell me to wear a mask. Don't tell me what health protocols are needed. Don't tell us to stop worshiping. Don't tell us to close down our churches. That's fine if other people want to do that, but don't tell me what to do. When do we look at the power and strength in ways of restraint for the sake of other people, right? There's a fine line between what I can do with my own freedom and how it impacts the freedom of other people. But this just isn't for Americans. It's not just true for Americans. In fact, we seem to elevate those who are reckless and cavalier about their use of strength and power throughout the world in the leaders that we support, those who we give the reins to countries, we seem to elevate the strong, the people who will do anything to make it by whatever means necessary. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Especially in Greco-Roman society of Christ's day, this is what the inherit the earth looked like. The strong, the powerful, the mighty, those who used, ruled with an iron fist, those were the ones who were claimed to inherit and rule the earth. It's a doggy dog after all, doggy dog world after all, and it's only those who are willing to do what it takes that will succeed and rule the earth. So it's in the middle of this belief that I think Jesus steps into to confront by saying, blessed is the meek. God, they say that God blesses only the powerful. And it seems like those are the only people that succeed. But I tell you, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's the gentle and it's the mild. It's those who use their power in a disciplined and control way for others, not a harsh and severe way over others who will actually inherit the earth. It's such a powerful contrast to how we often in our world justify the use of unrestrained power, even within Christianity. 
I so often think how Jesus laying down his own life out of love for the world rather than using all his cosmic power to force the world into submission is the eternal critique of any Christian movement that wants to force others into submitting to their will through the use of power. Unrestrained power is the exact opposite way from how Jesus defines power. Let me give you one of the starkest examples in scripture about this. Jesus is in the garden. He's just been betrayed. And Peter responds like Peter (laughs) and pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the people who are coming to arrest Jesus in self-defense. Jesus then responds in Matthew's gospel, put your sword away. Whoever uses the sword will die by the sword. And that's probably the most famous line from that whole uh, scene. But Jesus says something even more radical right after that verse. He says this, Do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 12 le- legion is a Roman military uh, a unit modifier. So it's like thousands of troops. And he says 12 legions of angels at his disposal. He is able to usher in all of the military of heaven, essentially, is what he's saying. I think about Jesus having that kind of power and then looking at how Jesus chose to live his life. Did he ever call down legions of angels to force his own way? but he had the power to do that, right? What a meek, gentle way to guide his power in the world. This commander of angel armies had his power under the authority of God, and what did that power look like? Instead of conquering his enemies, he healed them, loved them, and forgave them. Instead of condemning the poor and hungry for not working hard enough, he brought good news to them and fed them. Instead of shaming people for being unclean, he met them right where they were and even washed their dirty feet himself. Instead of storming the capital with an armed militia while seated on a war horse in order to claim power over the empire, he led a gentle procession of peace, followed by women, children, fishermen, and tax collectors while riding on a donkey in order to give his life out of love for the world. His definition of power looked like a wash basin, a shepherd's staff, a cross, and an empty tomb, not a sword, a flag, a gavel, or an emperor's throne. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I think once we grasp this concept of meekness that Jesus is referring to here, it's easy to spot it all throughout Scripture We see kings forgiving debts rather than enforcing them. We see fathers receiving sons who would run away rather than casting them out. And we see God desiring not to inflict the world of floodwaters ever again, but joining in covenant with humanity instead. We see God forgiving the Ninevites rather than destroying them. And we see Jesus rebuking his disciples when they want to call down fire from heaven on a Samaritan village who didn't want to receive Jesus and refuse to accept him. It is the mild, gentle, and restrained who will inherit the earth. To understand that last line, inherit the earth a bit better, we have to again think of Christ's context. Earth was most likely referring to the land promised to by Israel, by God. 
Matthew's audience were those who had been severely oppressed by Rome, who was practicing unrestrained power over them and the known world at the time. Yet here Jesus is essentially pointing out that while it may seem like Romans are victorious, this is not the kind of behavior God blesses or condones. Rather, it is restrained and gentle use of power. My friends, it's really interesting looking into the history and decline of the Roman Empire. Rome, who was wielding power through an iron fist in ancient times, It declined not through another opposing force that conquered it with their armies. It declined slowly through a gentle movement of an epochal shift in the Mediterranean world. Slow, gentle value changes that brought the Roman Empire to a decline. Blessed are the meek, (laughs) for they will inherit the earth. I'm again reminded of that phrase from Martin Luther King Jr. that While the bent and arc of history is long, it does bend towards justice. And what can mean so much to us right now in the face of a lot of things where we feel like those who are wielding unrestrained power and hurting others, they seem to be winning. They seem to be the most victorious. But Jesus reminds us here, and so do many great thinkers throughout the history, that gentle perseverance towards values of love is what will eventually win. So I think this is what it means to take a closer look at what meek means. Do we admire the severe or the gentle in the world around us? Do we allow ourselves to be led by the forceful and the arrogant or the humble and the mild? Do we see gentleness and mildness as a weakness or the source of true strength? Do we refuse to restrain power within ourselves because we have long been told that unrestrained power is more effective, more admirable? Who do we really think will inherit our culture, our nation, and even the world when all is said and done? For that is the kind of people we will inevitably strive to be. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to, we'd very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it. Also, if you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at amity.campus at boisefumc.org. That email will be in the show notes. Finally, as a smaller congregation, our budget is pretty tight. If you'd like to help out and donate to us, there is a link to do so in the show notes. Of course, no pressure, only if you're feeling called to give. But more income does mean possibly more content and better quality of content, as well as supporting our current ministries and those we'd like to expand on. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day.